0: Um, But yeah, welcome everybody. Uh, Welcome those that are online. Um, It's wonderful that you can join us. But yeah, so we're going to continue in our Advent series, Hello Jesus. And um, you know, as just heard in the Advent reading, um, our topic of the second week of Advent is love. So hence we get, hello love. Or as the British would say it, hello love. (laughs) I literally built my entire sermon around that. Like, that was the first thing that came to me. And then, and then there was some theological stuff after that. But John talked last week about hope and its opposition, fear. And with the topic of love, we're also going to talk about its opposition, which is hostility. So John spoke about that hope that we have in Jesus, that hope that combats fear, and how fear is a sprint and hope is a marathon. Well, today we're gonna talk about the easy way and the hard way. And I'm sure you can guess which one we get. But love is our primary weapon to combat hostility. Love is the long, hard, narrow path, and hostility is the shortcut. We all know famous verses, Matthew 5, 39, about turning the other cheek. And then there's twice in Luke chapter six that we're told to love our enemies. But these verses are much easier to quote than to live. And so, you know, what, what practical advice can we learn on how to show love, to use love, and to see love the way that Jesus showed us and to experience it the way that he taught us? But let's just open in prayer. Lord, we just thank you for this time. We thank you that you are love. Lord, and we just declare that with our hearts, and Lord, we just ask that you show us how to experience your love, Lord, that you take the, the, the human examples of love that we have, Lord, but you show them, you show us the perfect love, your perfect love, and so, Lord, we just ask that, yeah, as we go through the word this morning, your, your words would speak through me, Lord, that you would just speak deep words into our heart, and... Um, We just pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. All right. Our guiding verse today is in Philippians 2, 1 through 11. Now, Philippians is a book about love and hope. But the passage that we're focusing on today happens in a section that, you know, sometimes it'll be in your Bible, but often it's more in commentary. And it's called Practical Advice for Sanctification. Now, sanctification is what we're all striving towards. We all want to be more like Jesus. We all want more of his characteristics. And we all want to show love the way that he did. I mean, think about it. Like, we watch Christmas movies and stories that are about the spirit of Christmas. And what is the spirit of Christmas? Well, according to Google, it's giving, thankfulness, togetherness, It's a selfless time to take stock of what's important and become better versions of ourselves. Funny enough, that sounds exactly like Christ's encouragement to us and also the process of sanctification. But of course, as Christians, we have the need of Christ or Miss all year long. One of the key words that people use to describe Jesus is love. And when I'm reading the Gospels, I always picture Jesus being all serene, holy, and love just emanating off him. Basically, he's a Renaissance painting with the glow and everything. <laughs> but he's like a giant love space heater. You, you, just, you can't get close to him without feeling the love that comes off him in constant waves. And I think that this happened in reality, that, that, that this happened to the crowds around him. And my proof for this is that when you read all the Gospels, you read of thousands of people following, listening, and yet there's no mentions of scuffles. There's no stealing. The Romans don't have to come and break up crowds. Now, it's possible that the Gospel writers avoided talking about that because it would make Jesus look bad. But I don't think so. I think it's not written because it didn't happen. I think the crowds were soaking up the words of Jesus, and yes, his calming space heater presence. But think if we all walked around with that kind of love. Think about the effect it would have on those around us. Every one of us seeks to be loved, and to love in return. This is not a human condition, but God's creation in us, that we are created to be empty vessels of love and to worship our creator. But we are not created with love in us. We are empty vessels, only first filled with love by our heavenly Father, and then we are filled by those that come into our lives around us. And this initial empty state is very interesting to ponder Because this is the same state that Paul uses to describe how Jesus came to earth. So this is Philippians 2.11, if you missed that and the whole big gap in between there. Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on only one purpose. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility consider one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interest of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who as he already existed in the form of God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a bondservant and being born in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, death on a cross. For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, So that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Paul packs so much into his verses, but we have three main parts here. The exhortation of Paul if we're only going to focus on one thing, let it be love and not the human fickle, what my emotions feel love, but with the love that goes beyond ourselves. It goes beyond our selfishness, a love that is done for the right reasons and is complete. The second part is Paul showing how everything that is asked of us, Jesus has already done. He is the example that Paul holds up to us. Jesus is like the ultimate overachiever. Everything you can do or experience, he has gone before you and experienced. But rather than it's like in an irritating, know-it-all way, he actually does this so that he can love us more. And then the third section is Paul explaining why what Jesus did is so important and why God has placed him as the highest of names. Because if our job as humans is to give glory to the Father, then no one has given more glory to the Father than Jesus. Jesus walked in his ways, upheld his laws and precepts, and ultimately showed more love on the cross than any of us can achieve in a lifetime. Today, we're just talking about love and hostility, but Jesus used love to conquer hatred, racism, nationalism, legalism, religiosity, and even death. And he did all of this Without his greatest power, his divine power. In verses seven or eight, there are two key words that describe the process that Jesus went through to come to earth emptied and found. Jesus emptied himself of his divine power, he was still divine but emptied completely of all that could hold him back from being fully human. Then reading onward through the verses, after emptying himself, he found himself in the physical body of a man. It's really easy to think that Jesus still knew everything when he was here walking around on the earth, that he was a little omniscient, that he knew what was going to happen next. He just knew the whole plans. He remembered everything from the past. And, you know, maybe you could argue that towards the end of his ministry, that could be correct. But anything that Jesus knew of the future or the past, he learned from the scrolls of the Word or the Old Testament as they had it or from praying and insight from the Spirit. The things that he found after being on the earth, not from before. And that's why this verse is so key at Christmas time, because it's at Christmas that we are reminded of the humbleness of his birth in a manger, in a foreign town, in a stable, a child of holy virgin birth, helpless as a babe. No king was chosen to raise him, no village mayor but a carpenter and a mother who was chosen because she had found favor with God. Now, Paul says that Jesus emptied himself of all power because as he already existed in the form of God, he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. This is a tough concept to understand. Not that Jesus was God, I think we all can kind of get on that, but that he gave up that power to be here with us. You know, we we marvel at missionaries who leave secure lives here in North America to go work in other countries. We marvel at those that live their lives without social media and cell phones. Heck, there's even people that still read books and don't own a TV. I mean, they're all crazy. For anyone to deny themselves comfort is astounding. And yet Jesus gave up all divine power to come to earth. But more than that, he gave up a constant connection of love between him and the Father. Let's slow down and think about that a little bit. Jesus was there at creation. He was the spirit over the water as the Father put the seas into their places and the land masses to their heights. He was there as plants, trees, animals, and man was created and was part of calling it all good. He was there when God sent mighty signs to the land of Egypt to move Pharaoh. And it was his love that held back the spirit of death that came for the firstborn on that night. It was his love that held back the waters of the Red Sea as the Israelites crossed. Through all time, Jesus and the Father were one, their love for each other perfect, and their love for us perfect. But that love was so perfect that when the time came, Jesus did not consider that love something that had to be grasped, but released that from himself to start 33-ish years of mortal human existence. This is like going from communicating with holographic video chat to smoke signals. It must have felt so slow and so limited compared to what he's used to. And yet you and I dream of being able to communicate with the Holy Spirit as Jesus did. To walk with him as Jesus did. But this is what Jesus gave up to come here on earth. This is what he sacrificed out of love for you and your children, and their children. As I was writing this section, this like, little song started kind of running in my head, and it kind of took me a few minutes to even become aware of that I was even humming anything, but, but also just what I was singing. And it was a kid's song that my three eldest kids have all learned in their time at preschool. It's a song by Karen Henley called Love. I'm going to save you the pain of singing it. So I'm going to recite it as a poem, and you can just imagine cute little squeaky voices. Sorry. Why did God ask Jesus to die? L-O-V-E, love, that's why. Why on the third day did he rise? L-O-V-E, love, that's why. Why does Jesus live again? Why does he forgive my sin? Why do I lift praises high, L-O-V-E, love, that's why. Why do I lift praises high, L-O-V-E, love, that's why. We were created for love, to love, and to be loved. Jesus didn't come in comfort and ease. He faced hostility from his first days, chased by Herod to Egypt, Then during his days of ministry from the Pharisees, he got nothing but hostility and fear. For someone that's so used to being constantly surrounded by love, what must it have felt like to be around people that are openly hostile? Even think of the demands that were put on him. Heal this, save that, come here, do this. And whenever he declared the truth, he was met with anger and hostility. Now, what is hostility? Hostility is being ready for a fight all the time. Hostile people are often stubborn, impatient, hot-headed, or have an attitude. Or as most wives would say, their husbands. They are frequently in fights, or may say they feel like hitting something or someone. Hostility isolates you from other people. Anger and constant hostility keep your blood pressure high and increase your chances of other health problems, such as depression, heart attack, or stroke. Teens who say they often feel angry and hostile are also more often feel anxious, stressed, sad, and fatigued. They have, they have more problems with alcohol and drugs, smoking and eating disorders than teens who do not have high levels of anger." Hostility is the enemy's way of distracting us from love. It's not enough to get us to ignore love or to be neutral to love. We must be turned to something else. We must be distracted from what can help us. But our bodies, these broken, flawed, sinful creations, still know that it was not hostility that we were created for. We think of hostility and we all kind of mentally jump to hate or anger, that pulsating, awful emotion that rages sometimes in our hearts. But hostility is a lot more subtle than that. Are you ready to fight or argue all the time? Are you stubborn beyond reason? Have you ever had a great day, things just went really well, You're out walking, the sun's shining, bunnies are running around at your feet, butterflies flying around your head. Everything is just perfect. And then one comment, one remark, one jerk in a blue SUV that desperately needs God in his life cuts you off. (laughs) No personal experience there. It's over. Your patience is gone, your anger is simmering, and the next person that talks to us is gonna get a vast overreaction. That's hostility. We all have this element of hostility inside of us. It is part of our sinful existence. But I want you to think, what fires you up? What gets your goat? What grinds your gears? What irrationally piques your temper? It's so easy to be hostile to get to that place of stubbornness and desire to fight. That's why it's the easy way. Maybe in your justification, you know that you don't really hate it, it just frustrates you. But if you're getting that instant frustration, if you are quickly ready to argue or fight over that topic, then we need to acknowledge that we are offside. Do an introspective deep dive and ask, How do I love on this? I'm not saying you must agree with it, but how do you love on it? What do I need to love on right now to break this cycle of hostility? What is the Lord wanting you to let go of in your hostility, your frustration, your stubbornness? What do you need to replace with love, patience, understanding, and peace? I wanna add here that a healthy environment isn't marked by the absence of conflict, but by conflict that's handled with prayer, love, and wisdom. Jesus did not tell us to walk away, be timid, or to let our faith be rugshod shod all the time. No, he told us to love. If you want to make a lasting change, in either your life or in those of the lives around you, it must be done with love. Reacting to hostility with hostility is easy, it's natural, but it's not Jesus, and it's not sanctification. Jesus faced hostility from the moment of his birth, yet he did not respond in kind, but responded in love. He spoke his favorite lines about turning the other cheek, about loving our enemy. But Jesus did not just say the words and then mumble something else in his heart or vent to his disciples afterwards. He walked out exactly what he asked of others. And that's why he's the perfect example. It's interesting because most people will say that, you know, it's in the New Testament that we learn about love And while it's true that Paul and Jesus quote numerous, numerous verses about love, loving others, forgiveness, and putting aside hostility, however, when Jesus is speaking these words, he is quoting the Old Testament, albeit maybe a little bit more hidden in language and laws, but it's still there nonetheless. And Jesus himself admitted he came to support the laws, not to recreate them. Love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it separates close friends. Do not say, I will repay evil. Wait for the Lord, and he will deliver you. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Who is a God like you? Pardoning iniquity and passing over transgression for the remnant of his inheritance. He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in steadfast love. And the reason those Old Testament verses are important is because God did not create love in the New Testament. He has been consistent in his message since time began. Put aside hostility and take up love. Take up steadfast love. God delights in love. He does not need us to be vigilante warriors for heaven. He does not need us to justify our anger as a means to an end. He wants us to do what we were created to do. Take the love poured out on us by him and pour that love out onto others. To be vessels of his love. I know that we all struggle to love others, to love our enemies, but let's admit that freely and often and then ask us, ask him to fill us with his love again so that we can retry. God is patient. He will let us retry. He knows this is the hard way. Jesus walked it out. And I have no doubt that it would have been much easier for Jesus not to come, to stay with the Father, but his love would not let him. In the beginning, God gave the earth to mankind. And suffice to say, it didn't go so well. Within a few generations, pretty long ones, but the Lord had to judge the earth and flood it. We were then given another chance because he loves us so fiercely. Mankind did maybe a bit better, but we made it to the time of Jesus. And then Jesus came, and in addition to the earth, he gave us the kingdom. Not because we'd done anything to earn it, or even to show that we were worthy of that honor, but again, because of his love for us. God letting us help build the kingdom Is like asking toddlers to build a house. You're basically going to have to design it, do all the prep work, gather all the tools, most likely heavily assist in all the work. To put it bluntly, the toddlers are going to be a detriment. They're going to be distracted, they're going to fight over the tools, they're going to want snacks, and heaven forbid you ever ask one to clean up their own mess full-blown temper tantrum yet jesus gave us this authority this responsibility and this role why because god's kingdom is built with love and is there anything that shows love like a toddler they love unconditionally because we love on them they hug us because we're constantly hugging them They toddle to us at the door when we come home because for everything that they don't know, they do know real love. They know what's filling them with love. They know their family. This is God's plan to give us important work to help build the kingdom with the Spirit to let us glorify the Father in our actions. We sometimes mistakenly think it's our ministries that help build the kingdom. It's not. It's our sanctification. To say that in a different way, what what builds God's kingdom is not you working in your ministry. It's your life becoming more like Christ. That ministry work will be part of the process of you becoming like Christ it might be part of your discipleship but the key to the kingdom is becoming like jesus everything else falls into place when we're doing that and when we mimic jesus a little bit more of the kingdom of god is built on earth a little bit more of the heavens opens up above us because it is jesus that god raised above every other name before whom every church will or every knee will bow Church, it is the mission of this body to go after Jesus. Are you in? We're seeking sanctification and nothing else. We are seeking to obey the word in all glory because that is what Jesus did. We are seeking to love our fellow man because that is what Jesus did. We're going to pray for their healing, their salvation, their finances, their love lives, because that is what Jesus did. Jesus may not have considered his divinity a thing to be grasped. But for us, Jesus is very worthy of being grasped. So grab him and hold him and never let him go. Keep your eyes upon him and your capacity to love will do nothing but grow. Things that used to raise you instantly to the boiling point will leave you unfazed. Your desire to win every argument will fade. Your capacity for hostility will decline because it will be replaced by ability to love. What if we were to empty ourselves of all pride, all ego, all self, and make ourselves anew again? Sounds kind of like being born again. And as it says in Galatians, we must die to self so that we become more like Christ. We must consciously and actively decide to give up our hostility and consciously and actively ask Jesus to change our heart towards love. This is a big task. It's a big process, but nothing is bigger than Jesus' love. Can you have mercy, grace, and forgiveness without love? Hostility cannot bring you to mercy. It cannot extend you grace, and it does not offer forgiveness. None of these are formed from hostility. Yet mercy, grace, and forgiveness is what we need each and every day. And as we read earlier, John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but so that the world might be saved through him. Jesus did not come to separate, to fight those that were doing wrong. He did not come with hostile intentions to judge those in sin. He came to love. He came out of love. And our world so desperately needs that love. Our community so desperately needs that love. Because whatever we can offer this world from ourselves will fade. However, He will never fade. But only see His glory rise. For at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We need to fulfill our role to take the love given to us and then pour it out without hesitation on those around us, on those far away from us, We need to empty ourselves of hostility so that we can make room for love. We need love. We need to remember a baby born emptied of divine power in complete humbleness in a stable because before we loved him, he loved us so much that he gave up his life for us. Let's pray. Lord, we just don't have the words, we don't have the actions, we just don't know how to express the love that you have for us. Lord, poetry runs short, worship songs run short. Lord, even the psalms written in your Bible, Lord, they just don't come close to announcing how much you love us or how much we need to love you. And yet, Lord, we just ask you to Open that up in our hearts. Lord, through your spirit, show us how to love. Show us how to love you. Show us how to love the Father. Lord, show us how to walk in your ways so that we can show your love to the world, to those around us. Lord, where we have hostility, Lord, where we have that frustration, where we have that that desire to argue, that desire to, to bring conflict, Lord, we just give that up to you. And Lord, we ask that you replace it with more capacity for love. Lord, we know it doesn't mean we have to agree with everything. But Lord, it does mean that even when we argue, we need to argue in love as you would have argued. And so Lord, we just give this to you. Lord, we just ask that you make lasting changes in us, Lord, that each and every day you, you take us on this path of discipleship that takes us closer to you. Lord, that each and every day we would be sanctified, becoming more like you. Lord, we know it's the goal that is ever in front of us. There's no end point. There's no way we ever achieve it. But Lord, that doesn't make it a goal that's not worth striving towards. And so Lord, we just strive ever forward towards your presence, Lord. Towards who you are. Towards your characteristics, Lord. Because we know that... Where the enemy brings things that harm us, Lord, you bring things that only are good. And so, Lord, we just seek your love with everything that we have. Amen.
1: Praise the Lord! What a great word to uh, empty that empty, emptying of Jesus, and uh, it's just amazing to think about how he he would just do that for uh, for us to love us to. Give us an example to follow. And so, I encourage you today, think less of yourself, think of others as more important. Uh, why we can think less of others, uh, no, let, not less of others, but more important, that they are more important, and think less of us, is because we have that security that we are loved already. Loved by Jesus, loved by Him so much that uh, we are, that He gave His life for us, and He came and became like us. So, with that security in your hearts, I ask you, church, to go out, love others, see others as more important than you are, because they are. Jesus gave His life for that kind of world, and uh, so encourage you just to have the mind of Christ, uh, to have that emptying ourselves as well, uh, emptying everything that uh, that we think we deserve. Uh, we don't deserve anything, do we? Right? We don't deserve anything. So let's let's empty like Jesus. Empty ourselves of all our our worries, all our anger, all of our hostility, and just love others as He loved us. So today, I just I just thank you, Lord, for uh, this amazing word that uh, we had to die to ourselves and uh, to constantly give you room in our hearts and our lives to be more like you, Jesus, to uh, to love others. To have our, Just as you have forgiven us of our faults Just as you have uh, taught us To not to uh, uh, Just dwell on our sin But to know that our sin is, is Forgiven So help us to do that Help us to give soft answers Help us to delight in your great steadfast love Help us to in, Even in our struggles to love others uh, That uh, you would walk with us In our sanctification In our, in, in our desire to be like you Help us to love others to, to, for we were created to love and for all love and to be loved. So be with us as we think about all of these things. And uh, dismiss us now with your peace. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. And all God's people say, Amen. 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 Amen.